Our gospel reading today was from the book of John, the 17th chapter, verses 11 through 20. Verse 14, And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. None of us have been born into this existence of which we find ourselves in this material world of our own volition, of our choosing, nor had we any conscious decision-making upon our part regarding either the time or the place or the selection even of our parentage. However, sometime during our journey out of infancy, through our formative years into adulthood, we began to become accountable for the decisions that we made. Many times decisions were made for us as a result of our indecision. Therefore, where you are currently in life and where you will spend the rest of eternity is a direct consequence of the choices you have and will make now that you are here a living, breathing, responsible being. One of the first things we became aware of as we matured beyond childhood and its relatively innocuous and protective environment is that we do not live in a vacuum, in isolation, unaffected by others. Whether we are consciously aware of it or not, we are constantly filtering and analyzing and either accepting and integrating into our being or rejecting and resisting the effects of the thoughts actions and words of others. We are continually being influenced by that which is external to us. Regardless of what culture we are a part of, there exists out there a complex and highly manipulative system of values, principles, and ideals that are promulgated as the norm. There exists out there in that world into which we were born, a highly organized, structured system of thought of what is socially acceptable and what is not, of what is valued and sought after and what is ignored and discarded, of what is deemed desirable and what is rejected as worthless. This is what we refer to as the world system. And it is imperative that you are aware of its existence. It has always been there. Always existed. There when you took your very first gasp of breath. And it will still be there when you take your very last. It is ever-changing. Perpetually being readjusted by the common mores, passions, ambitions, and desires of the contemporary inhabitants of this earth. Of the present human race. It has a life of its own. It is self-sustaining, self-gratifying, and all-consuming. It never sleeps, never ceases to pervade your private thoughts, to permeate every aspect of your life. It is always challenging your individual perspective of existence, always attempting to lull you into acquiescence, into an acceptance of its priorities. It does not like to be challenged is always hostile to confrontation. But, and this is the point that you must grasp, 
for the majority of people who are alive at any one time on this planet, it is for them their God, their deity, their idol, that which they bow down to and worship, that which they think will provide them fulfillment and satisfaction, that which every waking moment of their life is spent in pursuing what it has to offer. Jesus says in our gospel reading of those whom he has loved, of those whom the Father has given him, the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. Obviously, the disciples were not extraterrestrial beings, not aliens from some other planet, but were mortal flesh and blood as we all are. And yet Jesus said that they were not of the world. No, they were not of the world because they were no longer of the world system, no longer being controlled by it, no longer deriving their worth, their identity, their life source from a system that is always at odds with God, always either denying His very existence or, if He is acknowledged, redefining Him on its own terms. No, the disciples were no longer looking to the wisdom of the world, the spirit of the world, the fashion of the world, nor partaking of the corruption that is in the world. They were in the world, but they were no longer of it. They had learned that they had been created by God for more than living life with gusto for three score and ten years, that they had been created for immortality in Christ Jesus. They had learned that they were but pilgrims, sojourners, simply temporary occupants here on this earth, that their true citizenship was in heaven. They now had their sights set on eternal realities, not the changing vistas of society, no longer pursuing the seducing vanities of self-pleasing men. They were beginning to understand that this life is but a seed that is planted, one that if nurtured properly will blossom into the doorway to the kingdom of heaven. They were no longer willing to exchange earthly pleasures, a few years of merrymaking or even industriousness for the eternal ages. We are told in Scripture that this life is a seed time and the future is the harvest. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. This life is always referred to in Scripture as a preparation for the life to come. In our Gospel reading, Jesus said, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And how was He not of the world? From above. He had no concern for the wealth of the world, the ease of the body, for creature comforts, for the praise of men, but was wholly taken up with divine and heavenly things of pleasing the Father in all He said and did. And such should be the character of those whom He has sent into the world as His witnesses. This is why His believers remain here in the world, but not of it to continue planting the seeds of the kingdom, of pointing to the Father, to be distinguishable from unbelievers, to pose the same question 
as Elijah did that day on Mount Carmel. How long halt ye between two opinions? Three kinds of people were apparent that day upon Mount Carmel. There we see Elijah, the devoted servant of God, alone, a solitary voice, speaking for the true God. We also see the 450 prophets of Baal. But by far the largest group represented there that day were those who had not determined for themselves whether they were going to worship Jehovah, the God of their fathers, or Baal, the God of Jezebel. Tradition tugged at their hearts to lean towards Jehovah, but their worshiping Baal offered them special favors at the court of the worldly-minded. They may have secretly had a place for the real God in their hearts, but publicly they worshiped the idols of the false god, the man-made god of this world. They were, as Elijah so succinctly states it, halting between two opinions. They were like Lot, who lingered in Sodom and thereby became apathetic and indifferent to the evil that he witnessed all around him. This group believed that Jehovah was God, but they also believed that so was Baal, and therefore the worship of both presented no difficulties to them. But Elijah, knowing that the only true God was a jealous God, that there is no other God besides him, said, no, there can be no alliance, no serving of two masters, no combination, no foreign mixture of the two. They are contradictory, and a definite choice must be made between them. If God be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. If God be God, serve him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. But if this world be God, serve it and it alone. Devote yourself to the things of the world. Let not your conscience bother you. For if you love the world, then love it. Do not be a hypocrite. Do not think you're fooling God. Do you think you can bow down to the multitude of idols that the world offers you daily and also serve the God of heaven? Yes, you are in this world, but you must not be of it. You cannot have the pleasures and rewards of this world and the pleasures and rewards of true faith also. You will neither completely enjoy that which the world offers you, for your conscience convicts you, nor will you be able to partake to the fullest the joys unspeakable that are yours in Christ Jesus, for you know that you have withheld something from him, that part of you still serves, desires, and attempts to cultivate a relationship with the very world that crucified him, that will have no part of him as their Lord and Master. How long halt ye between two opinions? How long a time do you need to decide? If God be God, follow Him. Follow Him because He is God, not because it would be more advantageous to you, because in so doing you will be a better father, a better neighbor, a better social animal. If God be God, follow Him because it is your bounden duty, because He is God, to serve and obey Him, because He was the one who decided when and where you would be born here into this world, that you might know Him and glorify Him and magnify Him through your life and that through the death of His blessed Son, 
and the infilling of His Holy Spirit, you would be one with Him throughout all eternity, the seed in full blossom. If you cannot decide between God or the world, your indecision shall decide for you in that final day when He who is God shall sit in the person of His Son to judge the world in righteousness. You will not be undecided then, for your future has already been determined. Remember, it is of a certainty that you must be in the world, but not that you be of it.